Today's program has been brought to you by White Oak Pastures, a five-generation Georgia-based beef and poultry farm determined to conduct business in an honorable manner. For more information, visit whiteoakpastures.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. I'm the beverage director of Del Anima, Lartuzzi, Anfora, and uh, the newly opened La Picho Restaurant um, all in downtown New York City. And this is the show that brings you everything that is delicious to drink and the people who are responsible for, uh, for, for creating them, for telling you about them, and uh, all of those great beverages. I'm very excited today because today I have on Tressa Eaton. Uh, she is the New York editor of thegreattastingtable.com, uh, which is a, a daily free subscription uh, magazine. And... Uh, Tasting Table has everything from restaurants, uh, wine, cocktails, events, food, recipes. Uh, but today we're going to focus really on Tressa's, uh, on, on the new article on the best cocktails in New York City of 2012. Um, but before we get started, I'm just going to give you guys a little background on, uh, on Tressa. Um, she was recently appointed to, uh, to the New York editor, so the head editor of TastingTable.com. Uh, Tasting Tables, uh, I mean, it's online, so you can read it anywhere, but they're there are uh, editions in San Francisco, Chicago. Yep, Chicago, L.A., LA. Miami, D.C. So quite, quite a few. And uh, she's a, a native of Virginia. And before taste, joining Tasting Table in 2010, she worked with Serious Eats, Apartment Therapy, Martha Stewart Living, Food and Wine, Gourmet, Rest in Peace. Uh, and is a graduate of Wesleyan University, where she wrote her thesis on canning, which which blew yep. my mind. I, I want to ask you <laughs> a little bit more about that. I went to uh, the New York University uh, Food Studies program. Oh, it was such a good program. I, yeah, I loved it. It was it was fascinating. And and as I was leaving, they were changing the the program to be more and more about uh, food production and um, food systems and. I'm sure that someone there had some expertise on canning, but what, why why canning? Why were you interested in that? Oh, I just I thought it was such a fascinating way to um, a lens to look at history, especially big upheavals, um, wars, and things like that. How um, how and also how canning has moved from something that people did because they had to to today when people go to the green market and they buy a pint of. Um, you know, beautiful strawberries for $12 and then they go out and get the canning equipment. And then before you know it, you have a $30, um, pint of jam. So it's, it's really, it's, it's transformed over the years. Is there, is there a canned food ingredient that you always keep in the house that you're very excited about? Oh, I always have some sort of pickles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bread and butter pickles, something like that. So, so your canning is including jarred and pickle. Yeah. Mason jars, pickles, beans, jams, conserves, Apple butter, you name it, anything that can go in a mason jar, and that's all considered the canning. Yes, and we're we're going to talk more about the uh, the drinks issue, but since since we have an expert in canning <laughs> on, this is uh, for sure the first canning expert that we've had on on in the drink. Um, what what's a tip that you give people if they would if they want to to jar or pickle something at home? 
um, I always say, you know, the food isn't going to get any better when you put it in the jar, in the mason jar. So start out, you know, go talk to your local farmer, go to your local green market, get the best quality produce you can because the, the quality that you start with that's going to be when you when you open that jar six months later. You want to break open those strawberries in January and and have that taste of August or July. Um, you know that flavor that you start with is going to come through uh, down the road. And have have you seen anyone using uh, using canned or, or pickled ingredients uh, to good use in in cocktails? And oh, drinks? hell's yes, yeah, <laughs> like with picklebacks and pickle juice. Kind of and, a leading question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, tons of people doing um, doing their own stuff out there. I mean, that's totally part of that movement of doing your own juices and you know every you know doing your own bitters, all of that, and so doing your own pickles and. Um, you know, pickled okra on the side of a Bloody Mary mm. and, and things like that are, are awesome. And I, I love to see bartenders doing that. Well, tell us about pickle, pickle backing and what, what's that all about? And where, how do you like to see that? Uh, it's just that uh, I take a little shot of pickle juice. Yeah. After. Yeah. Wash it down with a shot. Yeah. Wash it down with a shot. Yep. So maybe like a whiskey shot and then for a pickle sure. back. For sure. And wow. you get, you have that brine and that salt and that juice, you know, that pickle juice and, um, I highly recommend it next time you you feel like knocking some shots back. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> well, I don't think there was any pickle back in the uh, the best cocktails of there 2012. There wasn't this year. <laughs> I may have consumed a few in my quest for research, but um, we we did not end up with any. We, we ended so up how many cocktails did you taste? How many different places did you visit for the research for this article? Oh, I'd like to no comment on that one. <laughs> Too many, too many. But we ended up with five. Okay. And we ended up with five at five bars um, around New York City, five that have opened or revamped in the last year. And so it's it's five cocktails that we really think people need to drink, and it's also five bars that I love and I really think people need to, to get to. So what, what are those five? So those five are The Wayland, which is just this amazing bar, and I really want to encourage people to get there because um, they are over in the East Village in Alphabet City, and they got hit really hard during Sandy. So get out there, support them, drink some booze. Um, the Wayland, Booker and Dax, um, which people probably know, David Chang, Momofuku. It's their crazy cocktail laboratory, also in the East Village. The Nomad, which is just such a beautiful space. I think you were recently there. I was there on, uh, on Sunday. It was my girlfriend's birthday. And we uh, we were in the library for about two and a half hours yeah. <laughs> drinking. They have the. I mean, I think those are some of the most exciting cocktails right now. And for them to have so many different cocktails on the menu and be able to accommodate so many flavors, but for them all to be so good is is really impressive. Yeah. And considering from the restaurant operations point of view, from someone who you know who works in in restaurant operations. I'm just amazed and impressed because they are always really busy. It's really popular. And to have a team of bartenders who are able to produce 35 cocktails at that high quality level uh, is the, awesome. The list is so deep, and it's it's a perfect place for a special occasion, a date. It's super classy. The bar is gorgeous, all of that. And then our last two are from The Beagle, which recently revamped also in East Village. They've got new decor going on. Um, and then finally, Jaybird, which is on the Upper East Side, started out in Midtown, also revamped and reopened. And you can find all of these at tastingtable.com backslash best cocktails. Tastingtable.com backslash best cocktails. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's two interesting things that, that I'm noticing just from the list of where those cocktail bars are. Yeah. Um, number one, 
since when are there good cocktails in the Upper East Side or anything good to eat for that? <laughs> no, uh, I, I think there's been an Upper East Side kind of yeah, renaissance totally. recently, um, especially this season. Such a boom. Yeah, so, yeah, there's some really great stuff going on up there. And then the, three of the spots were in the East Village, and not and they weren't from the places that you might have you know normally thought of like PDT, right? Death and Company, right? Um, and, and, you know, I love Maya Well and um, Amori Margo, I think is really fantastic. Oh, definitely. And there's, there's more and there's like, there's lots and lots of stuff. So East Village has become kind of a cocktail central. For sure. The streets are just running with delicious booze in the East Village, practically. Um, it is, I mean, you, you, it's at every block. There's a great bar down there. So. So what were your criteria for choosing for choosing their top cocktails? Um, well, we, we were looking for, you know, something that was interesting, something that was different, something that also um, showed off the bar's strengths. We are looking for trends this year, lots of gin, um, lots of fun techniques, and then also looking for um, recipes that a, um, a cocktail enthusiast can make at home. So not only... We, we publish this list, but also at tastingtable.com backslash best cocktails, you can also find all of these recipes. So if you're not in New York or it's too cold and you don't feel like going outside, <laughs> you can just make the cocktail at home. Yeah. And so let's go through these cocktails really quickly. Yeah. Um, if you guys log in, to, if you guys go on to uh, tastingtable.com, make sure you're in the New York City edition. Um, and then you can find the best cocktails of 2012. They're absolutely beautiful, all of them. And I like how they, they all are, uh, they all look very, very different as well. It's something that I think about when putting a cocktail list together, not to have too many of the, uh, the same glass, uh, the same spirits. They, they all look very different. I've never seen anything in my life like this Basil Bixby, though. It looks like, it looks like wheatgrass shot yeah, or, in a cocktail list. Or moss in a oh. glass or something like that. I, I went and I hung out with the guys over there and they made me one and it's, I mean, it is bright, 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 bright green. And that's at Booker and Dax. That's right? at Booker and Dax. And, um, it has this incredible, um, flavor of basil that just hits you and gin and it's delicious and it's fun to serve to your guests. You could even serve it for Christmas. It's so green. Um, and over at Booker and Dax, cause they're using all those crazy wacky tools. They use liquid nitrogen to freeze the mm-hmm. basil down and powderize it. Um, but we were able to work with them to create a recipe for home bartenders. And it turns out you can just use a blender at home to get the same effect. So you don't need to go out and invest. Why did they use liquid nitrogen? Because it's cool and it, (laughs) and it makes the glass all cold Mm. and it, you know, it's fabulous looking and there's, you know, liquid nitrogen flying around. It's great. So, so they're emblematic of this kind of molecular, Mixolic, molecular cocktology. Yes, yes. Like they, they also have a gin and juice, which I love, um, that takes grapefruit juice and puts it in a centrifuge. Okay. Um, so you kind of have like. So you separate out the solids and you have a clear yeah. grapefruit juice? Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. And it, is there anyone else, did you come across anyone else who's using some of these techniques in cocktails? Um, well, I think WD50, mm-hmm. you know, they are always on the. the cutting edge over there of, of doing crazy stuff. And I think, um, really these techniques, you know, bartenders are passing them around and things that are s- simple to, to the complex. Um, we have another cocktail, um, at Jaybird and it's fat washed. It's, it's not cr- quite as 
crazy as liquid nitrogen, but it's called the Honey Nut Old Fashioned, and it uses fat-washed um, bourbon. Mm. Um, and you put peanuts in the bourbon and then uh, in- infuse that bourbon with the flavor of peanuts and then end up letting the fat chill it down, let the fat rise to the top, scrape it off, and you have peanutty bourbon. So cool, just all sorts of cool techniques like cool. that. And so people are really... I know a couple of years ago when when uh, PDT did the, the fat-washed bacon yes. cocktail, yes. it sort of became a thing, and then, then I feel like it subsided a little bit. So now fat-washing is, is coming yeah. back, and I haven't seen yeah. a, a, a peanut fat-washed cocktail, so yeah. that's pretty cool. But bacon will never die. Bacon will never, <laughs> never die. Um, let's let's talk about the... So that's the Honey Nut Old Fashioned, the fat-washed cocktail. Um, uh, the Flatbush flat Swizzle yeah. over at the Beagle. Yeah, this is delicious. It comes in a tall glass, um, super refreshing, and it uses two types of white rum, which mm-hmm. is really fun, and nutmeg, um, great you know, great for the holidays, and falernum, uh, which is this tincture of all these spices. Kind of gives it that West, um, West Indies flavor. Yeah, falernum is fantastic. It's yeah. a sweetener, um, a very complex uh complex sweetener and, and I like to, to do because it adds like it adds complexity to your drink kind of the way like a bitters would add complexity instead of just using sugar which is which is uh, not very complex so you can use Demerara sugar which has a little more complexity if you use Falernum as your sweetener it's just has all of these really interesting flavors so that so the flapper swizzle emblematic of using rum in cocktails I think yeah. that's something that a lot of bartenders are getting excited about Definitely. right now and, and not just using one type of liquor but building with two types and, mm-hmm. and these two types of rums play really well together which is fun all right we're going to take a quick break but when we come back we're going to talk about the pims for pros from the Wayland and the old alumbra at the nomad listening to in the drink on heritageradionetwork.org you're listening to cursed by controller on heritageradionetwork.org White Oak Pastures is the only farm in the United States that has its own USDA-inspected red meat abattoir or slaughterhouse and its own USDA-inspected poultry abattoir or slaughterhouse. We partner with Whole Foods to deliver our high-quality meat and poultry from Miami, Florida, all the way to Princeton, New Jersey. One family, one farm, five generations, 145 years. A full circle return to sustainable land stewardship and humane animal stockmanship. For more information, please visit our website, whiteoakpastures.com. And welcome back to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm here with Tressa Eaton from uh, from Tasting Table. We're talking about the best new cocktails of 2012 New York City. Um, you can also follow Tressa on Twitter at Tressa Eaton. That's T-R-E-S-S-A-E-A-T-O-N. 
uh, on Twitter. I've been following her. I uh, I thought your your pairing of Lambrusco and Bob White's fried oh, chicken sounded pretty delicious. It's so good. It's you can find it on Wednesday nights at Bob White, also in the East Village. That's kind of the I guess the theme this morning, East Village, um, at Bob White in East Village, and they do it on Wednesday nights, and it's this awesome special bottle of Lambrusco, two fried chicken dinners. It's great. Wow, that yep. sounds delicious. Okay, so we're going through the, the cocktails, the, the top five cocktails of the year. We talked a little bit about the Basil Bixby at Momofuku's Booker and & Dax, and we're actually going to be making one in a little bit. The Flatbush Swizzle um, at the Wayland with its two types of uh, rum, and the Honey Nut Old Fashioned, uh, the Fat Washed uh, honey, honey Nut, the Fat Back Honey Nut Old Fat <laughs> Honey Nut Cheerios. I it, haven't had my Cheerios it's yet. It's all that good stuff <laughs> together in one cocktail. Bourbon, peanuts, fat, deliciousness, honey. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the Pims for Pros at the Wayland. Yeah, so Pims, you know, you think of maybe an English summer day, at a regatta, I don't know, hang out at Oxford, something like that on the river. Um, and the guys at the Wayland have taken that idea of uh, a summer daytime drink and really hardened it up with rye whiskey, um, which you wouldn't normally find in a Pimm's cup. Uh, and it's super refreshing, but also the the kind of drink you want after work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can you drink a, a Pimm's uh, in the middle of the winter in New York City? Yeah, yeah, I think you can when you're at the Wayland. When you're at the Wayland when it has some rye in it. Yep. Okay. And is that, what, what do you think, what kind of trend do you think that's emblematic of right now? Um, I think you know, that, that like herbal bitter definitely definitely and and also um, like you were mentioning Amor and Amargo before yeah. having um, you know these beautiful bitters and everything people making their own bitters uh, people making bitters at home bartenders making their own bitters and bitters focused cocktails and bars that are focused on bitters and bars well. that are focused on bitters and, and, and ginger ale I think people are using yeah. ginger ale good ginger ale yeah you realize that you can have a perfectly great cocktail but if you use like you know some really crummy like tonic totally. water or, or bad ginger ale it'll it'll mess yeah. it up and at the wayland um they even go so far as to make their own cola wow with with the cola nuts and um tons of spices and lime and um we we also have that recipe on tastingtable.com and uh it's 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 a pretty delicious it's it's not coca-cola um but they've done a pretty awesome job of, of cracking the code to cola over there wow that's really cool okay and yeah. the old alhambra i definitely drank uh my fair share of these on sunday night yeah. um at the nomad tell us about the old alhambra so i think this is the perfect drink to have when you're at the nomad it's such a beautiful space the bar is gorgeous it feels it feels like um you know, it sort of has those touchstones of something like the bar at the Four Seasons or Blenheimans at the Car- Carlisle Hotel. It's you know, it's just beautiful, the decor, all of that. And this drink is just layered with tons of booze. It's got sherry, it's got vermouth, it's got whiskey. It comes in a coupe glass. You just feel like get more New York, really. You you can't than than this drink. It's great. Yes, and, and definitely, I feel like the that spirit heavy cocktail is kind of yeah. having its moment right yeah. now as well. Yeah. Uh, a lot of bang for your buck in that one. Wow. That's great. Okay. And uh, so on the, on this list, were there, 
were there any drinks that were kind of runners up that you didn't that didn't make it to the list that you you're like oh, I wish I could have but I only had five spots. Yeah, well, yeah, it's hard to just pick five. There are some great bars that have just opened that were just opening as we were closing the edition for Best Cocktail, so they didn't quite make it in. Maybe they'll make it in next year for 2013, maybe just squeak in there. Um, like in Brooklyn, in my neighborhood, um, this bar, Tooker and Alley, just opened. And they, they're doing this great drink that uses rock candy, which is super fun, um, which I've never seen before and, and brings me back to my childhood and going back to state fairs and things like that and eating rock candy. So, um, Rock candy on a string or on a stick? or, um, or Yeah, on a stick. On a stick. On a wow. stick. In the, in the glass, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, lots lots of things that didn't make it in, but I'm I'm really happy with our list this year. And what's really fun is that we did this in each of our city editions. So uh, if you're traveling, you know you can look at our list in LA, you can look at our list in Chicago, uh, and see where you should drink when you get to those cities, and and what you should drink when you're there. All right. You know, we were talking on the phone the other day, and I was like, oh, it would be really fun if we could make one of these drinks on air. Yeah. Because you you were telling me how, you know, you have recipes for them, people can make them at home, and you, you took the one from the molecular gastronomy place, and yes. I, I think that'll prove, if nothing else, that if you can make the Brooker, Burger and Dax recipe in uh, a shipping container in Bushwick, then you can make it at home. Totally. I didn't bring the blender or the liquid nitrogen, but I did bike over uh, this morning a cocktail shaker and some simple syrup and the uh, gin and basil puree all prepped out. The lovely ladies um, at our our two food editors helped me prep this all out. So we've got some lemon juice. So I know, is it too early for a cocktail? It's never too early. It's for, never too not early. Not on in the drink. <laughs> this this shipping container is timeless. It's the shipping container is five PM on the beach. It's always time for a cocktail. Alright, so what is this? This looks actually a little too healthy to be a cocktail. This no. Beach. Well, you know what the gin has got um yeah, you know, like a gin and tonic for, for when you're suffering from malaria. So sort of healthy. Okay. Sort of healthy, but um so how do you put this together? So you take, first, if, if we were at home and we had a blender, we'd put the basil and the gin together, and then we'd blend it until that basil was just bright, 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 bright green. Um, and then you'd take it in a sieve, and you'd, you'd strain out the solids. So we already have the gin and basil puree ready to go here. Get it open. Take a, wow. take a whiff of that. It looks to it looks like uh, like wheatgrass, but even like darker and deeper and green and mossier. Yeah. And as soon as you open it, you smell that that gin. That's kind of like gin. a yeah. It's what? bright. It's botanical. I want to drink some right now. Uh, it smells like it smells like gin in the summer. You're outside. Yeah. Someone just cut the grass. It's yeah. fresh, and you're like an herb garden, and you're drinking like a gin and tonic, and that's what that smells like. But it looks like. Uh, it looks like a swamp. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, maybe this isn't the drink that you would offer to someone who's new to cocktails or, uh, but I, I think this is such a fun drink for people who are a little bit more adventurous. So then after you get the basil and the gin together in a shaker, you um, add some ice, put that gin in, and then uh, a little bit of lemon juice and a little bit of simple syrup. And... All right. So, how much of this gin green solution are we using? Um, 
good amount. Like a bit. <laughs> splash there. Very scientific. All right, here's a good bit. Put it in here. And then what are the other components? Um, we're going to add three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup, and we're going to add three quarters of an ounce of fresh lemon juice. I've never made a cocktail on the radio. No, I, me neither. I sort this of is feel, the first. This I feel bad fun. for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they're going to they're gonna get proof that you're able to make this at home. So three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup. Yes. So And three quarters of an ounce of lemon. Yes. So the idea is you're balancing out. Every good cocktail is, is all about balance. You're balancing the sweetness here with the acidity of the lemon juice and the strength of the uh of the of the gin and usually uh, you can do a direct a direct balance between the exact same amount of acid if you're going to use lemon juice as your acidity and your, and your sweetener so if your sweetener is uh is simple syrup if it's a, an equal part one to one simple syrup mm-hmm. then that works with about with about the with the same volume of citrus you can make a stronger more concentrated simple syrup as well uh, a thicker syrup which you'll need less of the syrup um, and that, that those are great as well to use. The, the, so uh, for those of you at home, simple syrup is equal parts sugar and water, um, or or any kind of solution of sweetener and water. And it, it, they're great for sweetening cocktails because you don't have those granules of sugar, and it, it really mixes very well. Uh, if you want your drink to be a little more concentrated, you can do two parts sugar to one part water, for instance, or you can use honey. Um, and same thing if you do equal parts or two to one, it, it'll change the ratio. Um, but here we have a, a normal simple syrup. Yes, just okay. a just a one to one, and I think it's always great to have simple syrup around at home. And then, you know, the next morning when you have a hangover, you can use it in your coffee. It's ready to go. All right, we're shaking this up. Wow, and it really does look like the drink that's on your website. Yeah, and that took no time at all. It's easy. It is really, really easy. Hmm. Wow, and that's really good. Yeah, drink it instead of green juice in the morning. It's green. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You put that in your big juice cup, and yeah. no one will know. <laughs> that, is, that is truly, truly fantastic. Oh, my God. So what, what's exciting now? What else do you guys have coming on? What stories are, are coming out next? I was just actually just reading. I'm a big cider fan, and I was reading yeah. about the, the Naked Goose Cider. Yeah, the Naked, the naked Flock. The Naked Flock. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great new brand. It's New York. It's local. Um, uh, ha- I had it on my Thanksgiving table, um, but I think it's it's a great thing to have around the house uh, to carry carry you in through the ho- into the holidays um, when guests drop by, offer them some cider. Uh, it's and it's not um, you know it's a it's it's yeasty, it's fermented. It's not like a traditional um, cider like a, a fresh cider that you would get from the green market. This is this is a, a hard cider, a hard cider, yeah. Similar kind of to the uh, to the Normandy ciders from yes okay yes I haven't had it but I just love the story these these geese just yeah. feasted in this guy's field yeah and on poppies and then they passed out this is I guess the the old wives tale and yeah. then and then the farmer I guess thought they were, they had kicked the bucket and so he plucked them but then they woke up and so then they were naked they were naked, <laughs> they were naked and and that's um, that's where the great name of the cider came from. Yeah, and yeah. I love that you're seeing cider around. Yeah, it totally uh, a cider revival in New York going on right now. It's it's amazing how many um, brands are out there just just from the state alone. 
What are some of your other favorite New York ciders? Mm, um, let's see. There, well, Aster Wine and Spirits has a great selection. Mm-hmm. That um, that's where I've gone to, to that's, scope out ciders. I go to Aster just to learn about stuff. Like, oh, I like to just wander <laughs> the aisles. And I'll go yeah. to Aster and be like what. Like, what mezcal do I not know about? And I'll go there, and they'll yeah. have, like, ten that I don't know about. I'm like, shit, I should know. I should, I should like, do some more research on this, because yeah. like, they have just this incredible, incredible selection. Um, There's yeah. a great, um, I think that, that we read about this... Pippin cider using mm-hmm. Pippin apples, um, and and then there's also one. It's seasonal with cherries. Uh, it's this beautiful red. It's with apples, and uh, Naked Flock also does um, a uh, very very small release this year. A pumpkin cider, a, which was great. So is that a normal apple cider infused with pumpkins? Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's how, that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm hoping they'll make more next year, so more people can get their hands on it. I'm hoping I like that more than pumpkin beer. I'm not a big pumpkin beer. Yeah, fan. yeah. Um, well, well, that, I think that that's really exciting. Uh, you know, we I think that we had that we did that cider week at the at all the restaurants, and yeah. the, there's a real push for it. But I think with, with good reason. You know, cider is uh, it's it's inexpensive. It's something that's unique and steeped in the heritage of New York. Right, uh, we we grow apples really well. That's pretty much the only fruit we grow all throughout the Absolutely. winter. Absolutely, <laughs> and you can put them in storage, which is great. Yeah, yeah. you can put the apples in storage or yeah. the ciders in storage. Um, both. You could eat, you could age your cider, or um, you can you can put your apples in storage. You know, it's one of those uh, cellar crops like carrots and apples and things. Wait, wait, wait. so yeah. tell t- tell us tell me about storing apples. What do you mean about? Well, like, like you can keep apples for a few weeks or months. Yeah, throughout the in, a, in a cellar, the right temperature. Mm-hmm. You know, it's those tricks farmers use to extend food throughout the winter, like putting carrots in sawdust. Um, you know, b- before the age of huge walk-in refrigerators. And this is something yeah. that you learned while you uh, while you worked on farm. You worked on farms. Yeah. All over the world. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's how I originally got into food. Yeah. And and you know apples um, uh, have them over over the winter and freeze them and then you can turn them into an ice wine, an apple ice wine, things like that. So they're really versatile. It's amazing. It's a great New York crop. And how how does some of your experience working on a farm? help you out as you know this fancy editor of a oh. new york <laughs> um gourmet well, food i magazine. think it just it it always gives me a set i i always remember what it takes to bring that food to a plate to the plate um and how much energy goes into the production of food and uh, we can be so critical and you know go into a restaurant about this or that or whatever but it's it's, it's our food system is pretty amazing so it just it gives me a huge sense of respect for people who grow food and also people who make food. Yeah, there's yeah. there's so many levels and layers into yeah. getting what's in front of you. I think having having some thought behind it uh, really goes really goes a long way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Tressa, thank you so so much. I really appreciate it. everyone. Please do check out uh, Tasting Table dot com and follow Tressa Eaton on Twitter. I know I do at at, at Tressa Eaton. Um, and there's always some beautiful pictures and really interesting tips. Um, and check out all of the cocktails and the best new cocktails of 2012. This is Joe Campanelli for In the Drink on Heritage Radio Network org. Thanks so much. 
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.